It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks. Uh, I'm Kim Munson, and yes, we're dissecting the latest news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. You can sign up for my emails there, and I'll keep you apprised of all of our upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And be sure and like me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter, uh, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Uh, we've got a big show planned for you today. This first segment, we'll be talking about uh, Governor Polis just on Friday signed into law the national popular vote, which is highly unconstitutional. And so this is going to be very interesting here in Colorado. And then in segments two, three, and four, we'll be talking with Frank Hawkins, former U.S. Army intelligence officer. He has written a piece, The Ten Most Destructive Americans of His Almost Eight Decades. And you'll be fascinated to find out who they are, why he put them on the list, and uh, who came in a at number one, I think that you'll be very, very surprised. But before we get into all of that, um, first of all, a little inspiration. Calvin Coolidge, sometimes uh, people kind of call him the quiet president. He didn't say a whole lot, but when he said something, it really made a lot of sense. And so Calvin Coolidge said, little progress can be made by merely attempting to repress what is evil. Our great hope lies in developing what is good. And producer Steve, I, I find great heart in that with all of these different counties here in Colorado that are being proactive and coming out and saying that they will not adhere to this red flag bill that's uh, this, um, really it's, it's a, a firearms grab, which will prevent law-abiding citizens from being able to protect themselves. There's a number of counties that have come out and said, we're not going to do that. And I think it's, it's, it gives me great heart that they're going on the offense on that <clears throat> versus just waiting on the defense. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know I how, long, how, how big the list is, but something tells me we're not through with that yet, that there's probably going to be a couple more uh, jump on this bandwagon. Well, and it's about time. Uh, we, I think, we've always been just kind of good manners, trying not to really rock the boat. And while this has happened, we have seen just incrementally this assault on our, our rights. And, of course, right now here in Colorado, it's coming to fruition every day. You don't know what's going to be coming out of the legislature. So certainly we, we had the red flag bill, but we will be talking about this national popular vote, which is totally unconstitutional. The Electoral College was put into the Constitution for a reason. And so we'll talk, talk just a little bit about that. But a little levity before we get into the real serious stuff. Now, you know, we had... Um, uh, or we're going to have uh, Jim Lewis on just recently regarding uh, he's a, a counselor. So I thought this was very, very cute. How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? Steve, do you know? Oh, please tell us. I, I just can't wait. Okay, only one. But the light bulb has to really, really, really want to be changed. 
Okay, on that note, we're going to get into the real serious stuff. On Friday, <clears throat> Governor Polis signed the national popular vote into law. <clears throat> and this is really serious because, first of all, this is a, an assault on the Constitution. The Electoral College was put into the Constitution to protect the smallest minority there is, and that is the individual. The, the great unique thing about the American idea is, is that it pr protects individual rights. And basically the American experiment is, is, is these guys said, hey, you know what? What if we get together and we put into a social compact, a, a country based on an idea where the individual has these rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And that government will be instituted to protect those rights. And so the individual is the, is the smallest minority there is. Now you've seen the left try to move the individual into what they call intersectionality, where they try to move people into identify with a group. And then they are working to bring those groups that they say are being um, biased against or prejudiced against by by this certain group, which is is basically um, straight white men, uh, which I, I I would submit to you that it was a majority of straight uh, white men that actually st stood up for against tyranny in World War II. And it was also straight white men, basically, that put together the Constitution. But that is who the enemy is. And so they're bringing all these, these folks together in this intersectionality to fight back against that. But what we're seeing with Donald Trump is that, in essence, he is standing for the individual. And if each individual, no matter what the descriptor is, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, gay, straight, man, woman, if, in fact, we value every person's rights and we put in place an economy where every person is able to thrive and prosper, this whole intersectionality argument goes out the door. So that is one of the reasons why they are working so hard to make sure that Donald Trump will not be elected in 2020. And this has been a long game, uh, but they're really are ramping things up now that uh, Donald Trump won in 2016 and we're coming up on the 2020 election. And I think that that is why we are seeing such a, a push for the national popular vote, which Governor Polis just signed into law on Friday. And <clears throat> the Electoral College is important. Again, it's an Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution because it protects the smallest minority, the individual. And what they did is they said that each state will have the number of electors that is equal to its senators and its representatives. Now, as you all probably know, the Senate was put in place where every state has two senators. And this is so that the smaller popular, um, smaller states in population would have a voice at the federal government. But then we have the House of Representatives, which is, is elected on a, a popular vote, or the number of, of uh, citizens in the, well, <laughs> I say that, number of citizens in that state. And so that way you have your popular vote, and then you also have the Senate, which is put in place to protect the smaller, the smaller states. So everybody, in a way, has a voice. Well, the national popular vote kicks that whole thing out, and it will move the uh, decision-making to your your uh, high population areas like Los Angeles, New York, um, Philadelphia, 
you know, Chicago, all of these, these, uh, very high populated areas, which are totally controlled by Democrats. They're all in trouble. Uh, from a fiscal standpoint, they're, they're in just shambles, but yet they would then decide who the president would be. And uh, so it's highly unconstitutional. But Steve, there were three things that I thought were important to bring out. First of all, we had Judicial Watch on oh, several months ago, and they had um, filed a lawsuit which California, Los Angeles County and the city of Los Angeles had uh, they come to an agreement where Los Angeles County was going to remove 1.5 million inactive voters from their voter voter rolls. And in fact, Los Angeles had more people registered to vote than live there. Now, let's just break that down. W once again, if if, uh, if we have the national popular vote, it's going to be these populated areas which are going to determine who uh, who will be the president. So here we have Los Angeles that have not been cleaning up their voter rolls, which is another problem with this um, motor voter registration like we have here in Colorado. Um, but um, so we have Los Angeles right there. Then and then there was a report by I think I pulled this one from the Western Journal. And this was that Pennsylvania confirms they have over 11,000 non-citizens registered to vote in in Pennsylvania. And then many of you may well, you may not know this, but back in 2013, and I was on city council at this time, and I remember this was, I, it didn't sit right with me, but I couldn't quite figure it out. And that is that Colorado passed a law in 2013 allowing 16- and 17-year-olds to pre-register to vote so that when they turn 18, they immediately get a ballot. Now, we've talked a lot about the indoctrination of our children from the left. And uh, so now these kids are going to be indoctrinated they're going to register. They're registered to vote, and since 2013, over 156,000 16 and 17 year olds have registered to vote. And Steve, uh, the one of the the guiding forces on this was Joe Naguse, a Democrat, a Democrat representing Boulder, and he's now in Congress. What's your thoughts? Well, every one of these topics, whether your electoral votes or the voting, you know, Pelosi wanting to bring the voting age down to 16, it, it's the same little thing that we, we, we jokingly refer to as moving the goalpost. But you've already identified who's the driving force behind it and, you know, and what is the motivation. It's uh, pretty much disgusting. Well, and what's so interesting is, is the, you know, they, I'm sorry, get, let me get my thoughts to here, is they talk about that they want every person's vote to count. But yet, in essence, that's not really true because they have put in place ways to cheat. And so your everyday hardworking American who really does believe that their vote matters, it, that is being discounted by these things that is walking all over the Constitution. And it's not just the national popular vote. It's the red flag bill. I mean, you can just go down. You just take a look at the Colorado, Colorado legislature, and they don't give a flying rip about the U.S. Constitution. And the U.S. Constitution was put in place to protect the individual. But they, they talk about the Constitution all the time. They talk about honoring the individual. But this is really more about power, the elite versus the, you know, the masses. And the elite, they don't give a flying rip about the masses. Well, and that's why they're trying to take away your vote. Before we run out of time here, Check me on this. If I'm 
am I reading this right? Okay, what was done on Friday by the gov uh, basically only puts Colorado in that group of states who's wanting to do this. It's not official until the combined tally is 270 electoral votes. Is that correct? That's that's my understanding as well. So what they're doing is they're putting together a compact. They're tra- and I think there's 11 states plus the District of Columbia that have agreed to this. Yeah. So again, this is kind of under the radar, under people's noses. They don't realize that it's happening, but they're out there aggressively going uh, going for it. But they are ramping it up because they know that in 2020 that it will be very difficult to defeat Donald Trump if you do it the the fair way, the you know the real way. Uh, a, a real election. And so what they're doing, as you mentioned, is they're moving the goalposts around so that they can try to assure themselves a victory. Now, and again, I think one of the reasons that this is really ramping up is the the, the left, the, uh, the you know, the activist progressive radicals that have taken over the Democrat Party never thought they were going to lose. They never thought that Hillary Clinton was going to going to lose. And so that's why you're seeing these things really ramped up. Quick final thought, Steve. Well, let, could it happen? Low, you know, let them be successful with their you know popular vote thing, and or giving sixteen-year-olds the right to vote, and Trump still wins. Hmm. Well, wouldn't that be interesting? So, you know, um, it's it's crazy what's going on out there. But I, hopefully, we've brought a little light to you regarding this national popular vote. We're going to be talking with Frank Hawkins in the next three segments regarding the most destructive Americans. You're going to find it absolutely fascinating. Before we go to break, though, Selection Sunday was yesterday, and the NCAA basketball tournament teams have been chosen. KU plays Northeastern Huskies on Thursday. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. So Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. There's the Nuggets, the Avs, Major League Baseball starts at the end of the month, and woohoo, yes, it's March Madness. So Hooters is the place to watch the games, and Wednesday is Wing Day. All the Hooters wings you can eat for $14.99. And did you know that Hooters wings can fly? You can have them delivered right to your front doorstep. When the girls come over on Wednesday nights, I order Hooters new smoked wings, and they are delicious, only half the calories. Uh, so order your Hooters wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com, and let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. This is Kim Munson. We will be right back with Frank Hawkins. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. 
For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. I dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. Uh, and I'm the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. I offer a conservatarian perspective. Uh, and to that, I mean, that's an, an excellent segue into talking with Frank Hawkins. He has uh, an excellent piece in the American Thinker. Frank Hawkins is a former U.S. Army intelligence officer, an Associated Press foreign co- correspondent, and an international businessman. And uh, Frank, welcome. It's great to have you on the show. Well, thanks, Kim. Pleasure to be with you. And uh, let me set this up just a little bit. This first paragraph that you had in your piece, I think, is important. You said America's undergone enormous change during your eight decades of, of life. Today, America is bitterly divided, poorly educated, and morally fragile society with so-called mainstream politicians pushing cynical identity politics, socialism, and open borders. The president of the United States is threatened with impeachment because the other side doesn't like him. The once reasonably unbiased American media has evolved into a hysterical left-wing mob. How could the stable and reasonably cohesive America of the 1950s have reached this point in just one lifetime? Who are the main culprits? And you have a list of 10. So let's jump in here, Frank Hawkins. Well, thank you very much. I... uh... Uh, you saw exactly. You read off exactly the uh, the opening uh, uh, paragraph of my article, and uh, let me just say, Kim, this article has gone viral uh, all over the world. Uh, my email uh, box has been flooded almost constantly since that article was initially published on uh, on July 29. And in fact, uh, the uh, front page mag about a week or week and a half ago, which is also a very important uh, website that I hope many of your uh, listeners are also tracking uh, front page mag we printed the article um, so it's gotten quite a bit of attention um, I've off I now believe it would probably make a good book for someone to write I'm is I'm that you stage in my life where <laughs> I could take that on but but it's uh, it's attracted a lot of attention anyhow to get started uh, the, I, I go in reverse order okay. and the first person I had on my list was a guy named Mark Feltz. Uh, I don't know if how many mem- listeners would uh, recognize that name, but uh, Felt was the deputy director of the FBI and came to be known more um, uh, popularly as Deep Throat uh, during the Watergate scandal. Uh, he's the guy that fed all the tips to Woodward and Bernstein and to help bring down the Nixon presidency. And the, the importance of this wasn't so much bringing down the Nixon presidency, what the real implication was that for the first time you had the FBI, a senior FBI official, directly interfering in the American political uh, picture. And uh, this was, of course, the forerunner for Comey, Strzok, uh, Lisa Page, Andrew McCabe, uh, Orr, and uh, all the others that we know about now. 
That is fascinating. I had Cheryl Atkinson on just the other day, and I didn't realize this, Frank, um, but, you know, she was the CBS uh, reporter who the FBI and the Department of Justice, they were actually in her computer spying on her. In fact, one one day the cursor was moving without her touching the cursor. So, you know, I think they were trying to send her a message. She's been so courageous. She has taken them to court. But when I said, I, I asked her, so I said, the FBI, would that have been... Uh, the Comey FBI, and she said, well, it was actually before that as well, and and that was the Mueller FBI, and I don't think that most everybody realizes that Mueller was uh, head of the FBI, and now he is the head of this Russia investigation. That seems a little too, I don't know, t- and, and, this, and he was in charge of the FBI that was spying on um, political course, uh, excuse me, uh, journalists, um, political... Um, opposite you know people they were opposed to and now he's the head of the Mueller investigation i can't quite figure out how that even happened right and now in the in the last uh, in the last uh, day or so last uh, couple of news cycles we now learn that in fact this crowd was literally actively investigating a coup d'etat to, to uh, try and uh, get uh, rid of trump through the 25th amendment uh which was the so-called uh, woodrow wilson amendment uh when uh, uh, president has declared either insane or inca- in, in, incapacitated uh, that they can take him out. And uh, just the fact that they were even thinking about this or talking about it is just horrendous. And, of course, it's now a huge scandal. But the real damage, Kim, the real damage here is that, that uh, the, the Mark Felt thing went by pretty quickly. And I think people uh, sort of regarded him as a hero because if he get rid of Nixon. But the real damage here is how can the American people trust the FBI going forward? Well, That's a terrible thing for our country. Well, it really is because, uh, it, I mean, that moves us towards a banana republic when you've got uh, these agencies acting the way they are. Trump, it, if President Trump had not been elected, uh, I, I can't even imagine what would be going on because this this was is deeply deeply embedded, and he is, I mean, he is really fighting back on that. Do you think that he's going to be successful? I don't know. Deep state is in pretty deep. I mean, what we, what none of us know is what's underneath all of these people. In other words, how deeply infected is the FBI uh, with this mindset? That's what none of us can, can comprehend, um, and it's quite frightening because, I mean, that is the beginning of, a, as you say, a banana republic um, and uh, where, the, uh, where the law enforcement, which we used to, you know, we used to believe in blind justice. If you now have the, a law enforcement agency, which is highly politicized, of course, I blame Obama for a lot of this. I think, I think a lot of this happened during the Obama era and, uh, and certainly fostered by the Clintons to some degree. Well, I, I agree. You know what? We could probably talk all, all day on just a number 10. We better go to number 9, Frank Hawkins. <laughs> okay. You just keep me moving any way you want Okay. Uh, the, the number 9 on my, on my list is Bill Ayers. Uh, Bill Ayers was a, uh, uh, was a 1960s uh, who dreamed of killing 25 million uh, Americans if they needed to in order to establish a new uh, political system. Um, and uh, he survived all of that. Uh, he is a he is a uh, and uh, he survived all of 
You know what, Frank, hold on. Are you on speakerphone? If you are, that's a little difficult to hear. I can't tell for sure. Okay. Hold on. So Bill Ayers, I did not realize, I mean, I know that he, uh, you know, bombed, was a bomber, but I didn't realize that he actually was was willing to, to kill 25 million Americans for his political ideology. And, and he's also was very connected with uh, Bill, um, Bill and Hillary, wasn't he, as well as Obama? Did I, did I, did I lose him? Yeah. You're still with me. You know, hold on just a second. We're having some technical difficulties. Okay, we, you, you have me now. Hang on. Okay, you know what, Uh, Frank, I think uh, Steve's going to try to get a better connection. And let's jump in here with Jason McBride, uh, Presidential Wealth Management. Jason, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. And just to let you know, I can hear your guests just fine over the air. Okay, that's good to know. It's just something internally, but uh, there's an outside report for you. Okay, well, that's good to hear. So, um, great. Okay, well, let's jump in. I can hear you just fine, Jason McBride, so that's a good thing. So... Uh, you know, we're we're looking at people are you know getting ready to do their taxes, and uh, there's still some contributions that can be made to IRAs and and Ross this year for last year, right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you can still contribute to your IRA or Roth IRA for tax year 2018. Uh, the maximum amount for either is 5,500, Kim, or 6,500 if you turned age 50 last year. So you get a little bit of a catch-up, they call it, if you're a little bit more mature. (laughs) I like that, a little bit more mature. (laughs) Well, that seems like that would be a good thing to do. How long can people make this contribution for 2018? Well, the deadline is April 15th of this year. Now, most, but not all, IRA custodians will take the check as long as it's postmarked on or before the 15th. Uh, You can't go past the 15th, though, even if you file for an extension. And I wouldn't take a chance on the Mm -hmm. postmark. I would uh, try to make sure that uh, the money is there, you know, a couple days before the 15th just to be safe. Well, for sure, procrastination always creates a problem, it seems like. So uh, now what about can um, fresh cash be made like a new contribution? Well, you know, some people may not have fresh money sitting around. Um, Maybe they've just got like a regular brokerage account or something, and they're thinking, well, I don't have any fresh money to put into into a Roth uh, because I don't want to, quote, tie the money up. But remember, a Roth is liquid. Any money you contribute, you can take back out any time you want to with no tax and no penalty. It's only the earnings that are taxable. So, again, if you've just got money sitting around that you're not using for anything, even if there's a small chance that you might have to use it, I'd still say uh, shift that over into a Roth IRA as a contribution. It's much better to have any interest or growth on it be tax-free than taxable. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Mm -hmm. So if people have questions, I, I didn't know all of this. And uh, I mean, I think that this is really important for people to know for their own financial uh, prosperity and success. Uh, So, you know, explain just a little bit more how this works. 
Well, uh, keep in mind uh, uh, that a Roth contribution doesn't have any effect on your tax return. So if you've already filed, you're one of those that are so quick, you could still make a Roth contribution. It's, it's not doesn't affect your numbers. Um, and then also, if you put money in a Roth now, uh, the five-year clock on the taxability of the earnings, Kim, mm-hmm. it's retroactive. It starts on uh, January 1st, 2018. So you're already a year and a quarter into your five years almost. Isn't that neat, the way that clock works? Well, that's for sure. And, um, you know, Jason, I, I'd also like to talk about SEP IRAs, although I think that could we maybe do that next week? Um, yeah, I think uh, we can save that for next week. I don't want to take up all your time. <laughs> well, I think this is really great information. And people, you know, folks out there, if you plan, you can plan to succeed. And Jason McBride and the, the whole group over at Presidential Wealth Management management uh, is happy to just take another look at your nest egg and to reach out to them. It's chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. And also the phone number is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. Jason, thanks so much and have a great weekend. You too, Kim. Bye-bye. Okay. We're going to go to break and we have uh, Frank Hawkins back. And uh, so when we come back, we'll jump in with number nine on his 10 most destructive Americans of his eight decades. And we're talking about uh, Bill Ayers. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Dissecting issues is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. My website is AmeriChicks.com. That is where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well, and I offer a conservatarian perspective we have on the line with us, Frank Hawkins. He's a former U.S. Army intelligence officer, associated press correspondent, and international businessman. And he has written a piece, The Ten Most Destructive Americans of My Eight Decades. It was in the American Thinker. It's getting all kinds of, of readership on this, Frank Hawkins. And so thank you so much for, for being here with me. Uh, great to be with you. Um, just picking up on uh, Bill Ayers. Uh, he survived uh, his time as a uh, as a, uh, a terrorist, um, a left wing terrorist, and he actually uh, bragged. He said, "Guilty as hell, free as a bird." He got away with it, and he got into education. He became a college professor in Illinois, and he devoted his 
uh, his life to basically uh, uh, radicalizing American education and, and popularizing and pushing leftist causes. But the real thing, interesting thing about Bill Ayers is that it seems almost certain that he ghost wrote Obama's book, Dreams of My Father. And I don't have enough time, there's not enough time on your show to go into uh, how that is determined, but there's almost certainly without a doubt that he is the ghost author of Dreams of My Father. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's probably a whole, sh- a whole show in itself. So let's go to number eight. Who is number eight on your list, Frank Hawkins? Uh, number eight is Teddy Kennedy. And, uh, of course, most folks will remember Teddy as the guy who left uh, uh, Mary Jo Kopechny to die in the car at Chappaquiddick. Um, but the real damage he did was he survived punishment for her death, and uh, the, the, the brilliant people of Massachusetts went on to elect him as a, uh, as a senator. Um, of course, he was the brother of the slain uh, President uh, John F. Kennedy, um, and he became a, uh, actually a major force in the, in, the, in the U.S. Senate for the Democrats. And he pushed through a lot of liberal policies and health care and education, but, but the real damage was the 1965 Hart Seller immigration bill that he pushed hard to change the quota system to increase the flow of third world people without skills into the United States and essentially ended the large scale immigration from from uh, from uh, Europe so he essentially uh, tra- helped transform the demographics of America <clears throat> why do you think he did that Frank Hawkins I, I, you know, it is beyond me. I, I mean, he's just, these are, this is liberal politics at its worst, in my opinion. And um, he just, I think they felt that they just had to give the third world a chance to come to America. It was a matter of, for them in their heads, equality and fairness. Uh, and uh, just, I think that's their mindset. Boy, you know, he, he, even though he's JFK's brother, uh, I, I I see that I think that they look at things somewhat differently because I I think that JFK really believed in the exceptionalism of America and believed in the American people and so it's so interesting in the same family that um, you know the policies were so different I just find that intriguing. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I as a, as a young man I loved JFK and when he was killed I I, I could not have been more. Uh, uh, worse for me than if my own father had been killed. I mean, I really felt that way. And then for Teddy Kennedy to turn out the way he did was just uh, just shameful. Yeah, that's for sure. So, okay, let's go ahead and go to number seven. Okay, number seven was a guy named Walter Cronkite. Uh, probably members of the younger generation don't remember him anymore, but those of us who are in my generation and a little bit beyond uh, the baby boomers uh, certainly will remember him as the much-beloved network, network uh, anchor. Um, and uh, he really began uh, without, I think, intending to. I mean, this is the most important part of this. I don't think he did it intentionally, but he began the politicization of America's news media with his infamous broadcast from Vietnam that described the Tet Offensive as a major victory for the communists, and he basically uh, turned a significant uh, amount of the American population uh, against the war. And, um, and what happened was the Tet Offensive was actually a great uh, military victory for the United States. A, a significant amount of the NVA and the Viet Cong were wiped out in that battle. And later, uh, General Giap of, uh, North, of North Vietnam, he admitted as much. He said we were defeated, and, but uh, 
Cronkite did not understand or comprehend what had happened. And so he stood up and said it was a terrible uh, defeat for the United States because uh, the Tet Offensive had carried on into Saigon and, and into American strongholds and so on. So anyhow, uh, actually, as it turns out, years later, Cronkite actually admitted that he got the story wrong. It was too late. The damage was done. Oh, man. I did not realize that. Okay, let's jump. Let's stay on this. Uh, number six. Well, in number six, I had Bill and Hillary Clinton because, frankly, it's difficult to uh, to separate uh, uh, Team Clinton. Um, curiously enough, Bill's presidency uh, was a reasonably largely benign presidency. In other words, it came after the Reagan era, and the Reagan momentum carried on well into uh, well into Clinton's presidency, and and so it was a time of of, of prosperity, relative prosperity, and, and good times in the United States. And um, but but what happened with Bill is his sexual exploits uh, badly stained the Oval Office and uh, negatively affected the uh, America's perception of the presidency. And uh, but there was other stuff going on in exchange for financial support. He facilitated. Uh, the transfer of sen- sensitive military uh, technology to the Chinese. And then there was Hillary. Uh, Hillary is a uh, Saul Alinsky acolyte, and I regard her as one of the most vicious uh, politicians of my lifetime. Um, and she was very active in covering up Bill's sexual assaults. Uh, she harassed and insulted the exploited uh, women. Um, and, uh, and worse than that, of course, uh, she peddled influence around the globe in exchange for funds for the corrupt um, Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation was a sham. Basically, they spent a relatively small, insignificant portion of their money helping people, and uh, they used that money to uh, create a very uh, nice lifestyle for Bill, Hillary, and uh, Chelsea uh, with jet tra- private jet travel, fancy hotels, move, um, um, fancy meals, and so on. And they put a lot of their hangers-ons on the payroll to keep them warm while Hillary got ready to become president. Um, and during that time, of course, uh, this is widely known now that she signed off on the sale of 20% of the U.S. uranium reserves to the Russians. This was after Bill received a half a million dollar speaking fee at a Moscow. In other words, for a one-hour talk, Bill Clinton got a half a million dollars from the Russians. You talk about Russian collusion. Wow. There it is. And um, so in addition to that, the foundation received hundreds of millions of dollars through other channels from those who benefited from the deal. And uh, so in my opinion, uh, the Clintons were totally toxic. Uh, They killed any honor uh, that might have existed in the dark halls of uh, the District of Columbia. Well, Bill and Hillary never saw Trump coming, did did they? No, no, no one did, I, except a few of us. I, I, uh, Ann Coulter and I both saw it coming, and maybe you did too, Kim. I didn't. Uh, because, I wish I could say I was that uh, it was smart. It clear <laughs> that the American public was fed up with the whole Obama mess. Um, one quick question. I remember at one of the debates where Hillary mentioned something about Trump and the Russians. And it caught my ear. I thought, now that's that's odd. That's interesting. I surmise that uh, they were looking at the polls and they realized that Trump had a chance to win. And I think they started this whole Russian collusion thing. They were cooking that up long before the election had even occurred. And uh, I think they wanted to 
undermine the presidency if uh, Trump got into office? I think I think they thought that they would be able to get him out of office. I think they're surprised that he's still there. Uh, yeah, you may be right about that. Well, of course, remember, it wasn't just Hillary at this point and her and her hangers-ons and uh, and and people around her, but it was also the the deep state. The deep state is quite real. We've seen it with all the FBI stuff, and um, which is just uh, uh, horrendous. Uh, what's happened with the justice system, uh, with the Ninth, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and so on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all over the place. You can spend you can spend hours mapping the deep state, but it's quite clear you can identify the individuals involved. Okay. Well, we could. I think we could almost do a show on each one of these, So, but we're going to stay on task here, Frank Hawkins. Your number five is Valerie Jarrett, and there had been a, a picture that had been going around the Internet of her in her yearbook out at Stanford, and I don't think that it was really an authentic picture because I was out in California, so I went over to Palo Alto, I went to the Stanford Library, and I looked for that yearbook, and uh, interestingly enough, it wasn't there. It was not in the Stanford library. And so I walked around the whole library to see if somebody had it out because, you know, there were all kinds of students studying. And I did not see that anybody had that yearbook. But I, I just thought it was intriguing that the yearbook from the year that she was a senior was missing out there at the library at Stanford. But anyway, tell us about Val- Valerie Jarrett. Well, I regard her as the Rasputin of the uh, Obama administration. She's what we call a red diaper baby. Her father, her maternal grandfather, and her father-in-law were hardcore communists under investigation uh, by the U.S. government. Um, uh, Vern Jarrett, who's her father-in-law, was a very close friend and ally of Obama mentor Frank Marshall Davis. Frank Marshall Davis was a black communist uh, who was in the pay of the Soviets uh, he was an active Soviet agent who was sent out to uh, Hawaii to uh, radicalize the longshoremen out there. And uh, he, uh, his trail is quite uh, easy to find. Uh, he was writing uh, during that era for a, a left-wing communist newspaper. He had a column which is, had his own name and so on. He was a poet. Uh, he was a... Um, uh, he was actually a pornographer. He uh, shot pictures of of the lady who later who became uh, uh, who 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 uh, uh, birthed uh, Barack Hussein Obama. Um, and there are many people who believe, and uh, Joel Gilbert has done a lot of good work in this area, uh, who believe that Frank Marshall Davis is actually the true uh, biological father of uh, of Barack Obama. Um, and that's another long story on itself. It's a fascinating story. Uh, Joel Gilbert put together an entire video on it, quite compelling video. And um, I, I've watched it several times, and it's, it's quite persuasive. And, um, but there's little doubt. Uh, I, I see I, when you get into the birther discussions here, and I know we're a little off track here, but when you get into the birther discussions, I believe that Obama was born in Hawaii. I do not believe he was born in Kenya, despite the fact that he once publicly told an audience that he was born in Kenya. Uh, that's just part of the whole confusion of the mess. But I'm, I'm very convinced he was born in Hawaii. And I think the whole uh, birth certificate uh, thing, the phony birth certificate, we've never seen the real one. I think the phony birth certificate is covering up not where he was born, but who his father was, Frank Marshall Davis. 
Ooh, interesting. And you heard it right here on the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Hey, Frank Hawkins, let's go to break. When we come back, we will find out who number four, three, two, and one are on your list of the 10 most destructive Americans of your eight decades. We'll be right back. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich and Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich and Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich and Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Dissecting issues is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. Uh, Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. And I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. We have quite a a guest here with us today, Frank Hawkins. He's a former U.S. Army intelligence officer, Associated Press Foreign Correspondent, International Businessman, and he has written a piece that was uh, in the American Thinker, The Ten Most Destructive Americans of My Eight Decades. Uh, It's it's really an interesting list. I do have to tell you, number, let's see, number seven was Walter Cronkite, and Steve and I were talking during the break, and and Steve said... uh, Uncle Walter? I can't believe it. But he said then as he read it, he's like, ah, it makes sense. So anyway, let's go ahead and jump back in here. Uh, Number four. Who is number four on your list of the 10 most destructive Americans in your lifetime? Uh, Number four is Jimmy Carter, uh, who was uh, president uh, um, at at the turn of a century. He uh, uh, here's the thing about uh, uh, Jimmy. He's actually a very decent human being. I'm sure of that I think he's fundamentally in his own way honest but as a president he was a disaster uh... he uh, he actually ignited the modern-day radical islam by abandoning the shah in iran and paving the way for the ayatollah khomeini to take power in tehran um, and of course iran subsequently as you uh, we're all aware has become the main state sponsor and promoter of international islamic terrorism um, and when the islamists uh, uh, took over our embassy in uh, Tehran. Uh, Carter was too weak uh, to effectively respond, and he thus uh, strengthened the rule of the radical Islamic mullahs. And since then, they have been responsible for the deaths of, of Americans and plenty of other people around the globe. It's a truly evil regime. There's no other way to think about it. Yeah, appeasement uh, really doesn't work. The the long Long-term consequences of that are significant. But uh, let's stay on task here. Who's number three on your list, Frank Hawkins? Uh, Number three is Lyndon Johnson. Um, A lot of uh, people who've read this article say that Lyndon Johnson should have been number one on the list as the most destructive, but he was certainly a horrible president. Uh, He turned the Vietnam conflict into a major war for America. Uh, It could have ended early if he had listened to the generals instead of the automaker Robert McNamara. And, of course, we all know the result. We had 58,000 American uh, deaths uh, and collaterally tens of thousands of American lives damaged or destroyed. Um, and worse than that, Tim, it was a war that badly divided America. It created left-wing groups who evaded the draft and eventually 
they gain control of our education system, and they control it to this day. Mm-hmm. Even worse, though, was uh, Johnson's war on poverty, which has led to uh, by paying uh, uh, women uh, not to have husbands and to have children. Uh, he's led to the destruction of American black families uh, with a significant escalation of welfare and policies designed to keep poor families dependent on the government and, of course, voting Democrats. So he, he deliberately, in my opinion, created a racial holocaust that's still burning today and as strong, as I said before, you, you could easily put him at the top of the list, and I don't think anyone would object. Well, I, I totally agree. As, as I've looked at this, you know, basically Lyndon Johnson's uh, great society was uh, he, he came to women and said, we, the government, will take care of you and your children as long as there's not a man in the family. And so it broke families up, but it not only hurt women and children, it also hurt our young men because they no longer had to step up and be the man of the family. They no longer had to step up and and be responsible. And so I think that it it really has decimated many young men and women. And um, I'm encouraged, though, because I, I recently saw some poll numbers that President Trump's approval rating among blacks and Hispanics is significant. And if this continues, I think this is why the radical progressive activist left is going crazy with Trump, because if, in fact, his policies are able to take hold and people start to have the dignity of, of work and the, and the dignity of, of relationships and families, then all this that they have been building for all these years... Uh, may uh, go by the wayside. So that's why we're, we're in the fight of our life. I, have, I've, I, I really am convinced that we are in the third founding of America with President Trump. We had Washington and, the, and the, the Patriots. We had Lincoln and the Civil War. And I think that we are in a historic time in the third founding of America. Uh, listen, I'm with you. I think you're, you're spot on on that analysis. And uh, I, I totally agree. I mean, under Trump, and he brags about it, and well, he should, that there are now record uh, levels of jobs for uh, blacks and for women. And um, I, uh, truthfully, is the country has job-wise has never been more prosperous uh, than it is today. And that's thank, directly thanks to Trump and his policies. Uh, he's, tur- he's turning it, but there's, the left is dug in, and they are still making uh, headway in lots of areas that are frightening, including some of the latest uh, people uh, elected to Congress, but we can get into that in another time. If you'd like, we can go to number two. Let's go to number two. Who's number two on your list? Well, uh, it won't surprise anyone, Barack Hussein Obama. And uh, Obama came into office saying he was going to fundamentally transform five days. In fact, I think it was out in Denver. It was. Five days before the election, he said, we're going to fundamentally transform America. And we all said to ourselves, what in the hell is this guy talking about? Uh, but we now know what, exactly what he was talking about. Uh, he was setting America up for a final uh, defeat and a stealth conversion from a free market society to some version of socialism and communism. And, you know, as you get deeper, and as we have gotten deeper into the Trump presidency, uh, we can see how, uh, and we mentioned this earlier, how his, he politicized uh, key government agencies. Uh, the FBI, we've already talked about that, the CIA, um, the IRS. Uh, we know for sure that uh, under Lois Lerner, this, uh, the, I, the IRS was specifically targeting um, conservative groups. You may have been targeted yourself. Um, and the damage here, Kim, is that it shakes the public's confidence in the federal government to be fair and unbiased. 
when I was growing up as a kid, we trusted the government. Uh, we thought the government was a good thing, uh, and we could depend on the government to do the right thing and to be uh, honest and, and uh, fair about its dealings. And that has been basically destroyed under Obama. And uh, the, But even worse than that, in my opinion, is that he set back race relations right. between Americans by stoking black grievances and pushing radical identity politics. I mean, you, you think about Louis Gates, Trayvon Martin, Michael right. Brown, Freddie Gray. I mean, this is all Obama stuff. In every one of those situations, he stoked it. He sent the Justice Department in under Holder to, uh, to fire the thing up. I mean, this is, this is shameful behavior. And uh, he can never be forgiven for this. And then, of course, his open support for the Iranian uh, mullahs and his unapologetic, uh, his apologetic, excuse me, lead from behind foreign policy, uh, which seriously weakened America abroad. Trump, thank God, has done a lot to turn that around. Um, and, of course, his, uh, Obama's blatant attempt to interfere in Israel's election by trying to unseat Netanyahu, in my opinion, is one of the most shameful things ever done by an American president. Wow. The horrible man. Wow. Okay, we're just about out of time. We have time for number one. Who's number one on your list of the 10 most destructive Americans? Okay, number one, huh? uh, This is my personal preference putting him on because I regard him as the single most despicable American uh, who ever lived. He faked his three Purple Hearts uh, during his cowardly service in, in Vietnam. He traveled to Paris and met privately with the NBA and the Viet Cong, and he returned to the United States parroting the Soviet party line about the war, testified before Congress comparing American soldiers to the hordes of Genghis Khan. Uh, it was a clear case of treason and giving aid and comfort to the enemy in a time of war. And, of course, we got a second bite of his bitter apple uh, when he, uh, when he uh, went, fell into bed with the Iranians and uh, uh, basically tried to set the tone for them to go ahead and get nuclear weapons. We're all familiar with that now. Well, well, I, and of course, then he's he's all over the climate change thing as well. I mean, he is. I, I agree. I think that he's a very dangerous man. Now, I have to tell you that I take a little stand on J- John Kerry. You know, he is married to one of the uh, heiresses of the Heinz, uh, you know, food empire, and or isn't it the Heinz? I think, or is it the yes? Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. Heinz ketchup. Okay, and so I never buy Heinz ketchup just because of that. Just so you know, so I'm just taking <laughs> exactly. my own little stand on that. <laughs> So um, just a little bit more about John Kerry. We've got probably a minute and a half. I think you can delve into just a couple more things on John Kerry. And and Frank Hawkins, you've also done a piece on uh, the 10 most influential Americans. And so, Steve and I want to get you on again to talk about that because uh, I think that's important. And, and I'm not sure I agree with you on all of those on that list. So I think it'll be a fascinating conversation. But any well, final... would be great to have a, a little fi- some fireworks between us. That'd be fun. Okay, that sounds great. Any Well, just any final thoughts, kind of the, the big picture you want to leave with our listeners today. Well, the big, the big picture is um, that uh, our country has changed significantly since I was a young man. And um, I hope and I regard Trump as our best and only hope to reverse this. I think the 2020 election is going to be a key one. Um, but as a matter of fact, I now believe that maybe um, support for Trump is running stronger than ever. I think the, the, the blatant shift to the left uh, by the Democrats, particularly with the new members of Congress, Ovar and Tlaib and, and uh, so on, OAC, I think is going to put off enough Americans so that it gives, uh, 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 gives Trump a good chance to be uh, reelected, and that will give us four more years to try and, and uh, smooth out the deep state a little bit. Well, 
Well, I do uh, think he's, he's managed to uh, he's managed to appoint uh, two Supreme Court justices, and he might still get another one before this current term ends. If he could get one or two more, that would that would help America a lot. Uh, it would help significantly, that's for sure. Frank Hawkins, this has been absolutely fascinating. So I am so excited. To, uh, we're going to get you on to talk about you know, the ten most influential Americans. So thanks so much. Thanks, Kim. All the very best. Okay, uh, our quote for today: Alexander Hamilton, seventeen seventy five, said, "A fondness for power is implanted in." most men and it is natural to abuse it when acquired so today read great books think good thoughts listen to beautiful music communicate and listen well live honestly and authentically strive for high ideals and like superman stand for truth justice and the american way this is kim munson signing off god bless you and god bless america